I am unashamed. What about you? So welcome to Unashamed. We're uh, sans Zach today. He's on the road again. Yeah, San- Zach is a sans sans. That means we're without Zach. I've never heard that phrase in my entire life. Yeah, that's why I, that's why I sprung it on you. Dad, you were you heard familiar that with sans? What's the spelling on that? <laughs> Probably S A N S. I'm gonna look it up. But Zach is not with us today because he's traveling. But he, you know, Zach is a man that knows how to get things done. He's like, he's like red. Well, I want to say this for clarification. You know, Zach made us wait for him to get into Luke 19. Yeah. And verse 11, because he wanted to talk about the kingdom. But we waited like three weeks. Yeah. So we, you know, it took for, because he, he was... It was always a, something was always up. So we finally kind of introduced it in the last couple of podcasts, and now he's gone again. And now he's gone again, which is yeah. classic. Now, I thought I messed up, Jason, because the first definition, oh, no, there it is, sans, without. Okay, yeah. S-A-N-S? It's a, yeah, it's an old, S-A-N-S, it's an old, it's a Latin, old French term. Sans. I'm going to use that now when we, because it's hunting season, and uh, of course we're in the split, but. It, there's a lot of moving around. What basically you have more people that want to go duck hunting than you have spots right or, now or blind. But that yeah, changes. I've, that changes as the season wears on. Well, it, yeah, it's like the first five or six days we had all these ducks. You know, there was people out here <laughs> like lining up to try to get a job because we, you know, the economy's going off the cliff. And they're and they want to just be picked. But when the ducks left, then all of a sudden you you can't. The only way to get people to go is kidnap them or bribe. Yeah. Then they don't want to go. Right. It's very frustrating. Yeah. But I'm going to use that phrase sans. now. Sans. Yeah. Without. So we'll put. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna say no. It seems like we're sans. <laughs> we're sansing you. <laughs> <laughs> the sands list. Full of vehicles. I just sit there and I looked at it. I said, the good old days where we just have the core group and from time to time a visitor. Yeah. Much better than this. This is. <laughs> but Phil, to be honest, you're inviting people. Jay's inviting people. I'm inviting people. You know, when everybody invites new people, you look up yeah, and you have 14 people. people trying to get in a five. Well, we do have some new people. Uh, people to the operation uh jersey joe's been hunting some of y'all and he's he's new to the operation well yeah he's the chef which the you chef. Know, that's what i'm saying phil when you, you got and you got the nurse man because he's he's, like, well, he's taking care of our medical needs so i think know. that's what happens is the older you get you form <laughs> a, a nest cadre phil is like well i gotta have my chef yep. i gotta have my my medical personnel because he's got two of those you know oh, yeah. early that's right then you got to have the engineers who they you know they built two or three blinds yep. during the off season. So well, I haven't been back, so I'm looking over here off camera at the. We got a whole new setup for our internet down here. Uh, yeah, Jersey to, Joe has is that Dan and Jersey that has, rigged all that up. Yep, Pretty they, impressive. They did all that, and uh, they they uh, they I said I, I want a telephone. 
you know, oh, cell phone. Yeah, we get back on <laughs> Somebody that. heard that speech. Yeah, and said we've heard it. I said, well, we can, we can, we can do that for you. So I put up my own tower. Jersey did. Put a tower out there. It's the it's tower the, of Phil. Phil, this this thing with the telephone, we get, need an intervention on this thing. <laughs> it, it it you don't have a telephone if you only have fifteen seconds, which is I think where you're at now, to talk on it at a time. Or have you corrected? That's that? all been corrected. Ah. <laughs> Lord. That's the I had it. I had That's twenty crazy. seconds to to see what you wanted. If you called, I had twenty well, seconds. Well, it was a minute. Then it got down to twenty, 20 for seconds. For you, for y'all that haven't been following, all along. that was was foliage that was blocking the <laughs> the, the vibes. Now we're we're dependent on satellites, and so your satellites were blocked because of all the trees That's on correct. your property. I got you. No, we can go now. We've already tested to see how long we go. So you have unlimited amount of time. You can right. talk. And do you actually have a number? Now I have a number, but I'm not aware of what it is off the top of my well, head. We still got one thing left. Well, don't give it. Yeah, don't, don't give it. it. But there is a number. Oh, there is a number. All right. Well, that's you've there made a lot of headway. I will need to get a lot that of headway. I couldn't have done it in a million years. But Jersey is one of these computer buffs, and uh, yeah, you got to have him on the and team. Dan's a good worker. Yeah. So between the two of them. You know, we we dug ditches, buried buried wires, erected poles, put saps, put things on top of a post sticking up. Out so there. once again, you, Dad, who is the most anti-technology person in America, has now gone into the telecom business for your own property. All I wanted, if you want to talk to me, is have that my number in your bill fall or tattooed on your butt, or whatever, <laughs> and, you, and you can talk to me as long as you want to. I would recommend that you keep it short because I don't like to sit there talking on a telephone for 30 minutes. I've never heard that phrase in my life. So if you had trouble yeah, keeping up with your number, which I do. Right now, if you ask me for my phone number, I don't know it. I know I could go it's look it up. It's best for me not to know it. But I've never thought about actually tattooing, tattooing it on my posterior. Because then how would you... Just figure speech. I mean, just... Well, I know, but... Somebody see... else would have to tell you what the number well, was. Well, that's what you I thought. You'd have to have a mirror then <laughs> to figure out what your number oh, was. Goodness, so that I've was been funny. gone too long. So I came in this morning, Maddie, our uh, crack staff of one. So, we, you know, she has the... She presented us with the crickets button. Yeah, and it's come in handy. It was good. It's come in handy. You need, you need something to break the ice sometimes when, I mean, especially, I'm not going to mention any names, but sometimes when Zach uses <laughs> words that no one's ever, ever heard of, I feel like for the people I kind of hang out with, we need to break that tension. Yeah, that's right. you don't want to say, look, I'm not that smart, or I wasn't listening, I guess, when they talked about that, but you you also want to know what he's talking about. Well, I noticed the more he got excited about the kingdom, I was in Gulf Shores, so I was zoomed in to y'all last week, the last podcast. It, the more excited he got, the more he was dropping the eschatology word, but then he was adding more syllables because he talked about the eschatology. He, he, he kept adding syllables to Well, then they got the, what was the other one they did? The epistemology. Yeah, epistemology. You know, I, I just, the more I've thought about this, I, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of just reinventing words that actually mean like something under an umbrella. Right. 
Because they say, well, that's about, you know, Jesus coming back. Why not just say Jesus coming back? So so Maddie has has given me a new uh, button because I asked for this a while back, and she came up with it. Because sometimes we have breaking news on the Unashamed Podcast. I actually have some breaking news. I know. So before you do it, you said you had some breaking news. So this is our new breaking news button, thanks to Maddie. I would like to add. Hang on, Dad. That's our that's our lead to breaking news. I have some breaking news. Which I've never is, heard that. Which though. is uh, all right. There you go. You went back to, with today's notes. Okay. Big picture overview. Yep. Jesus sets the timing of the coming kingdom. Describes the Jewish audience as the coming kingdom. In the coming kingdom, he sets his expectations and lifestyle. And uh, describes the rewards and judgment of the coming kingdom. That was my outline for the ten mina section. That's what I meant. Well, I didn't I said, read this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John <laughs> hold holds to go. But here's what surprised me, and uh, to a group of people, they were visiting. It was about. Uh, so this happened yesterday. Happened at the. It happened about. Uh, they were about. 40 strong, about 40 of them. Yeah. But we baptized after this, what I'm talking about right now, we baptized about five or six of them last week, about 10. Yeah. So it's, 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 People it's. People come to get work. baptized here. Yep. But here's what's amazing. All of this uh, arguments and, and leading to the death of Jesus on a cross, when the kingdom finally gets there, the people were cut to the heart when they heard that they're the ones that actually killed him. And they, they, they let all Israel be assured of this. God has this made this Acts Jesus. Two. Acts 2. This is Acts 2. When the crowd heard this, they were cut to the heart, said to Peter, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, all of you, in the name of Jesus, so that your sins will be forgiven and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which I told those people yesterday I baptized. That's why how this works. But if you'll look carefully, in verse 42, the writer of the book of Acts said, I need to put on how they were operating. This is the most amazing thing you ever hear. That's Acts 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's one. Whatever the apostles said, they said, and, and with, with, with the mistakes they made, they devoted themselves to that teaching. That's very wise. They, to the fellowship, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. You've come in there, you're the kingdom of God. It came with a, uh, an incredible Jesus being the son of God, dying on a cross. To the breaking of bread, they ate together. To prayer, they prayed together. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders, miraculous signs were done by the apostles. No telling what they were showing them. All the believers were together and had everything in common, which that's in any culture, that would be something. Yep. Selling their possessions goods they gave to anyone as he had need. They're out there helping everybody. So when we see these various groups from our vantage, Al, we need to remember that giving to anyone as they had need is a structural part of the kingdom. Every day, 
not 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 on Sundays, not 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 what's the name of your church and put your signage up and up. No, nope. No appointed time. Nope, no appointed time. Every day they continue to meet together. Every day, twenty four seven. Yep. In uh, in the temple courts, that that thing is fixing to be destroyed, but they're meeting there. Probably a good roof. They broke bread in their homes, ate together, so they had all these meals inside their house, which tells you you have to get them inside your house, have a meal with them. Which it's it reminded me of how we operate down here, Al. Yep. Glad and sincere, praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number the kingdom of God. Daily. Boy, they were doing some serious converting. They, he's done a showed what happened that 3,000 obeyed the gospel to start with. Well, that's there in effect, just got there, and where it is and how they're meeting, and they just together as a very small group. Fast forward over 2,000 years, Al, it worked. It worked. It's still here. Still here. The king is still here. The funny part. I tell them when they leave, I say, let me explain something to y'all. We don't have a name as such. I said, just when somebody asks you, you know, what church do you go to? They're thinking it's just something you go do without all this interaction with your fellow man. I said, just remember, tell them, I'm a member of the kingdom of God. Jesus is my king. I faith in Funny part of that is was Phil said I got breaking news and then told us something that happened two thousand years ago. <laughs> but I agree with was you. Done on purpose. <laughs> no, I agree. That is breaking news. I do think that's the biggest problem in church buildings today, and especially in no doubt America. No doubt about it's it. It's like I go to church, or I do, you know, what we call kingdom business, which is every day. Helping those that are less fortunate, being hospitable, looking for opportunities yep. to share Jesus. Well, you know, what's interesting is Zach read a passage, I think it was the last podcast or, or the la- within the last two podcasts. And Dad, you mentioned this when I saw you this morning before we came on. Second Samuel 7, 12 through 16, where he establishes this kingdom with David. But, you know, the, I was reading the first part of this when I look back at this text since you brought it up this way. And I want to read this lead-in part because it so speaks to what you just talked about. This is Second Samuel chapter 7. And this, by the way, is our lead-in to talking about everything we've been talking about in Luke 19 and 20 because it's all about the kingdom, right? Because the, the two blind men, or, well, Matthew had two of them, yeah. but uh, Luke just had one, yeah. which is kind of weird, really. Yeah. But... uh. I think it's the same story. It it's is. Just, I think so, too. I think when you're looking at eyewitnesses, the fact that Matthew remembered two and Luke remembered one, but but it was probably they were 
Just like our homeless people do when you see, they're all kind of gathered up. Well, they may not have been at the same time. He may have ran into one and then the other guy. Exactly. But, but, but either way, you're right. They, they said son of David. I mean, he, he recognized who he was. Which is gonna, was going to be in with my breaking news, I was going to say, but mine wasn't near as spiritual, but it did have a spiritual application. But I'll get to it after <laughs> you, you say read that. this. You said that. All right, so, so here, here's the setting for the... Seven, I mean, a 12 through 16, second Samuel said, I want you to listen to this, Dad. Just what you were just talking about with the idea of the establishment of the kingdom. It starts, what, what chapter? This is second Samuel 7. Yep. After the king was settled in his palace, this is David. So he's been a, anointed and appointed now as king of Israel by the Lord. Anointed and appointed. Anointed right. and appointed. Good. Al, you sound like a preacher. I know, I got it going today. Uh, after the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. Because remember, he was just a, it was a war fest for him to become king. So now he's like, all right, settle down. He said to Nathan the prophet, now check out David. This is a good heart, but he's missing the point. Here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark of God remains in a tent. Now, and that was on purpose. That started back with Moses, the Ark of the Covenant, the tabernacle, all this. David looks around and says, you know, I'm living large, but we got the temple, you know, we got the tabernacle over there holding the Ark of the Covenant. He felt bad about it. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it for the Lord is with you. That night, the, the, and I wonder what he was planning. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, in verse 5, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. Mm. You see this idea about trying to contain God inside a structure. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have, uh, wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? So what he's saying is David's got, the, he's got a good heart, but he's missing the point. You cannot hem God up in a structure. Yep. Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord, the almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own with no long, and no longer will be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. Because, I mean, they've been fought everywhere they go. I will also give you rest from your enemies. The Lord declares to you, and here's the point we got into that Zach read, that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name. Now, he's not talking about a temple, but I'm sure they thought he was talking about Solomon, but that's not what he's talking about. We know he was looking way down the line to what Jesus was going to do. Yep. I will establish the throne of the kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. 
but my love will never be taken away from him as I took away from Saul when I removed from whom I removed before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. But the first part of that text, which we didn't read, is very powerful because it goes to your point that when you get to the first century and you see the church established, it wasn't a structured no. some place no, I, to I, be it was everywhere. It was the opposite. It was, it was just the opposite. And the idea was it flows out through the people. And then the Gentiles come in in Acts 10, and you see this idea that the kingdom expands. So I thought it was really interesting that that's what you were talking about leading in this morning. And I had just read that text, and I thought that's exactly the point he was trying to make to David. You can't hem me up in a spot. I'm too big for that. I guess the people get confused because it's like, well, we had a temple, and we had a tabernacle, and God... And he told him to build presence. it. Yeah. And even, you know, I've heard these these scholars talk about the garden itself was was created kind of like a temple-like structure because you have God among his creation. It's like heaven and earth intersecting, which is what a temple and a tabernacle did. You right. went there to, to have... Uh, I guess what's the way to encounter God? Yeah. You know, you you went there, and that so they would do sacrifices. Because there were purity rituals about recognizing your sinfulness. You're yeah. sacrificing because of sin. I mean, washing, washing. What I was going to say is, when even in the temples, you had the image of God, and so like if you go back to creation itself in the garden, the humans were the image of God. He was. They were. He said, "Let us make man in our image." It, so, it, but it all went wrong when we didn't trust this God because when you start looking at God's qualities, I mean, He's perfect, He's flawless, He's holy, He's just, He is loving and and forgiving. So, it wouldn't make sense for Him to be able to coexist or heaven and earth intersect if all of a sudden the image of God is not reflecting the image of God, so which is where you get into sin. Right. So then death comes because your memory's like, when they're separated, he's like, my, my spirit's no longer going to contend with you. You, you. So physical death was brought. Right. You know, he had that, that tree of life there they were eating of. I'm saying all that to say, it's interesting, you bring up the tabernacle and the temple. So here comes Jesus announces, announcing these kingdoms. Well, all these... These Jews that were hearing this and all, you know, everything that Jesus was doing, they were very familiar with all these prophecies. Yep. The one you just read, yeah, about this coming king, about this one that's gonna set up this new temple, this this new way of, uh, and, and and I think they thought to get us out from under oppression. And that's why I think they didn't recognize Jesus, which we spent a lot of time talking about that. But when you read John 1, 14, you know, John starts off saying, in the beginning was the Word, in verse 1, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Well, we're going back to that. He was back there in, yep. in the garden. Correct. Whether you view it as, and God said, because like Jesus is the Word, right. the communication. But when in verse 14 it says, to your point, the word became flesh and made his dwelling. Well, that's the 
tabernacle word, tabernacled among us. That's right. Or pitched his tent. Yep. So you're going to fast forward and get to the end. So when he dies, buried, and resurrected, pours out his spirit, then the spirit goes into our hearts. Well, then Paul starts referring to our bodies as tents, which goes all the way back to what you just read. Exactly. So it's like, well, where's the temple? When are we going to rebuild the temple? And and it gets to that, well, we are the temple. I mean, you, which you're is housing the Holy Spirit. Which, Jace, makes the point so strongly that we've been making, and you made this point way back when you talked about the three temples. Solomon, I can see where the Israelites missed it because they took what God told David through the prophet Nathan and thought, oh, yeah, that was his son Solomon because Solomon built this beautiful temple. And now we got the temple, and so all we need is to rule the world through eternity. That's what they were thinking, but they missed the whole point because the temple going forward would be the Holy Spirit living in us, provided by Jesus being here. So you see how they missed it. I mean, I, everyone can be so, included. That's right, everybody. But that's not the way the Jewish mind worked at all. So this is the perfect place for me to interject my silly breaking news story. Okay, wait a minute. Let me hit my button again. Yeah. So last night we're watching football, as my wife and I do. And uh, you know, we started with the Saints game. And, you know, it just escalated from there. We just I didn't feel real good. And, you know, we've had a busy few weeks. And we just watched football all day. So last night, the Dallas Cowboys kicker, his last name is Aubrey. And uh, – you know, I have him. Who I never think, has kicked in college or the NFL. It's an amazing don't, story. Don't, 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 get into my, <laughs> don't get into my material here. I don't even know uh, your material. Well, this is crazy because my wife, you know, when my kids got into football, she got into football, and, and she likes it. And, uh, and we mainly just follow the Louisiana themes, you know, LSU, yeah. the Saints, whatever. But like I said, when we relax, we, we watch football. But she is just – she she has never been real favorably uh, thoughtful to kickers. I remember this. She's she was like, she's anti kicker. She was she on, screams about it. She's like, you got one job. They're paying you millions of dollars, and you can't figure out how to kick that thing. You don't have to go run with everybody else. You you just got one job, kick it through. I mean, we can go to the moon, and 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 it is weird that they miss a lot. So. Last night, when they put this guy's stats uh, stats up, this Aubrey, and I'm very familiar with him because I do fantasy football with my kids. And yep. all. It's fun. It's an it's a excuse for me to spend time with my kids. But I have him. He's on my team, and he's been the number one kicker this year. Well, when she saw his stats, she went nuts. She said, this is what I'm talking about. He hasn't missed. Right. He's like twenty eight for twenty eight field goals. Well, bad. last night, look, he he kick, He was first kicker ever to kick more than one field goal over fifty nine yards. He kicked a fifty nine yarder and a sixty. He kicked it's amazing a sixty that yarder that far. One he step. He kicked a fifty yarder. He kicked another fifty yarder. I don't know. I can't remember exactly. 
So then I look when they were they weren't just barely clearing the bar. That sixty would have been good from seventy. He hit the net with the sixty yard. So here was my breaking news, and I said, "Babe," because of course I was sitting there studying for what we're going to talk about today. I said, "It's like he's the Messiah (laughs) of kickers." She said, "It is. (laughs) This is ironic." And then it hit. Look, when I said that, then it hit me. What have we done in the kicking world in football? We we gather up, say, who wants to play football? They all gather up. And then we try to turn somebody into a kicker, and it won't work. It won't work. This is the first time in our history that somebody had the idea, hey, let's go get a kicker. He's just a good kicker. He can just kick. He them. plays football. He he plays football, that like soccer. Soccer. He doesn't play football. He doesn't block. He doesn't tackle. No. No, he doesn't. Well, but what I'm saying is they had it wrong. They tried to take the football player and and get a kicker out of it. When, When whoever hired this guy, they said, just go find me a great kicker, and we'll teach him how to play football. Because he never played college football. So he has set never the record. The yeah, no, he's he, he's he's out doing more Sorry. important things. But you hear, you hear, they said something in the game, Jason, that I found fascinating, to your point. He doesn't even practice during the week. Doesn't, no practice. They said they want to keep him fresh. He just Al, he's not a football player. <laughs> he's a kicker. So I'm saying when you look at our world, you know, when Jesus came in, this is what we needed. We, we needed – you can't just go – Find a human being. You need someone coming from another, I don't even know to how, how to describe to be king. Yeah. <laughs> we need somebody Go find with me some a king. heavenly credentials. But to, to, but to prove he's not a true Messiah, Jase, because I don't know if Missy knew this, because this would have she would have been disappointed. He has not missed a field goal this year, but he has missed three extra points. I did see that, <laughs> which is ironic. Of course, the extra points are like thirty-six yard field goals now because yeah. they moved them back. But still, he has missed three of those, which is ironic. I don't know what that says about your. I thought about it uh, because <laughs> gonna draw this. The up. only problem is with the kicker Messiah thing is he has to be dependent, unlike Jesus. On a few other people, yeah. There's you got to snap it. That's right. You got to hold it. You got an offensive line that has to block. Give him it. time it, to do it. Oh yeah, nobody blocks. So there is, you know, the fly and the ointment on that. <laughs> but I think overall, the concept is right. What's a better idea? Turn a football player into a kicker, or turn a kicker into a kicker? Mm-hmm. You just change like the orb of what he's And kicking. the irony for the Cowboys is that it, last year in the playoffs, they had a kicker, a, a, a guy that's been has been, had a solid career, that all of a sudden could not kick. And you're in the playoffs. He couldn't hit. He missed four straight extra points. He couldn't. He missed all his field. I mean, like, all of a sudden a man who's been kicking his whole life could not get one through the upright. And so that's when they turned to this. Chase, they, they listened to it. They, they turned to a guy that had no experience. So I was only making the point that the problem, I think where we get off in the Gospels, is because we're not understanding the culture. They wanted a Messiah. What they didn't like 
was that the Messiah in Jesus was not the kind of Messiah yeah. that they wanted. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And, and I think good it's analogy. a good illustration for my kicking situation. Yeah. It's like he had no pedigree. He he had never gone to football school. He never played football. He's like, well, he he can't. He don't know what our our game here. Yeah. And I think the passage you read in Axfield is is true. He's basically turning an idea of a kingdom upside down, inside out. However you want, That's you know, all right. these different phrases. Right. And and I go back to that conversation he had with Pilate. I mean, here he's in a a person of powers presence who has the power to free him or kill him. And all of a sudden he starts talking about, you know, are you a king? Because that's whether he's a threat. And you're talking about this these people saying, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, him going public with being the seed line of David, the king to come, that's dangerous. Yep. Th- this is, this will get you killed. Yep. And when you just look at the history of what happened here, and look, by the way, all historians agree, whether they believe in God or not, you know, this Rome was in charge, in charge, what, in somewhere in the 60s BC, and it comes out that they've taken over Israel, Jerusalem's under Roman rule. And in AD 70, they destroyed Jerusalem. They did. The temple. But what I'm saying is all historians agree that happened. Well, here's Jesus right in the middle of all that, you know, in the 30s. And there were numerous other what they would call rebels to the cause of, you know, Roman rule. And most of the others, you know, died and you never heard from them again. But isn't it interesting that here Jesus, he died also. And people haven't stopped talking about him since. And also, Jace, we this was all predicted, which we read about in Daniel 2 and in Daniel 10, that this was going to go down during this period of time. And all the kingdoms that were before it predicted. So, yeah, it's pretty clear. That so Jesus said, I have to do it. Right. And that's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John always hammer that, because he's the one that said this... These these things have to happen, or this won't work. So that's so that's a setup for where we left off, which is Luke nineteen twenty eight, and we and Jace read the whole text so you could tie it into this the story of the ten minas and then into the triumphal entry, and also him at the temple because this is this this public uh, image that Jesus is saying, "I'm here." Yeah, I mean, he's announcing the King is here. Most of the world's religions now, or most of the world's thinking, is uh, they just go around Jesus. Right. They count time by him. All of them do. Right. I mean, they believe he was the one who literally started time. But, yeah, you're counting the years. Yeah, but 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 they haven't made him Lord yet. Right. They well, won't allow think, him to be I, the king that he ought to be. They won't right. allow him well, to. I think number one, they haven't read the gospels. That, that's how they could find out. Yeah. But they haven't studied it deeper. They'll say, yeah, it's 2,024 years since Jesus showed up. They do it every time they write down anything. Right. Russia does it. China does it. They, they all do it. Right. They well, all that's why, time I, that's why I brought that up. You know, people are not arguing that Jesus 
was not here. I mean, he's here. It it all comes down to what he asked Peter, who do you say I am? I mean, I'm going to do a cool little thing when we get to the next chapter, in chapter 20. Because uh, it starts off, you know, when they uh, the, uh, his authority was questioned. But, you know, he asked a question based on being asked a question, which is Jesus did that more than any any other person that, that you can imagine. I mean, so I looked up how many times Jesus asked a question, and it was astonishing. How many? It's hundreds. Think oh, hundreds. That's so, it. So, but I— one the answer to everything. But one, one I— yeah, but what's what's profound? My point is, Jesus had all the answers, but he asked way more questions than he gave answers. Yeah, it's like a forty to one ratio, right? Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it is. And you say, well, why? To my point, because he wanted you to think about this. He wanted you to pursue it. He wanted you to look into it. He asked questions, and you think, huh? So if you just ask yourself the questions, which I'll go ahead and tell you, it, if you take out all the duplicates, it's about 310 in the Gospels. That's a lot of questions. But the one I wrote in is the one when he asked Peter, he said, who do you say I am? It's a really good question. Because really when you think about it, every human being is going to ask that question at some point. And whatever your answer is, that's going to be the biggest factor yep. in how your life turns out and what it looks like. Yep. Even if you don't believe, well, that's your answer. You, oh, I believe it's a joke. Okay, well, let's watch you and see how this plays out. Yeah. Let me, let me know Always add, and, and make no mistake about it, you will be challenged on it, and you're not getting out of here unless this is true. Yeah. You're not getting out. It's the only way out. And Life and death. So, Jace, it's interesting because I know one of the ones questions we'll get into when we get over to the the end of chapter 20 was this very thing about David when he said, who was David talking to when he quotes, was it Psalm 110, when he said, the Lord said to my Lord, said to my right hand. So he brings up in a question form this very thing we're talking about because they're assuming this establishment throne forever is about Solomon. He said, no, it's about me. David was talking about me way back in Psalm 110. When well, he said explain the though why, because I think a lot of people are missing while we're making, big, why is it a big deal where the, where the blind man says, son of David, have mercy on me. That's in uh, chapter 18. Right. Read it. And now why is it a big deal that Jesus is bringing up this conversation to David? I mean, you read the second Samuel. Mm -hmm. What would you say from the Old Testament version? What's the dumbed down? Well, what 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 he's trying to get across is that every bit of the structure that's been there was to bring Jesus to all of humanity, and and the whole apparatus of the kingdom of Israel, the lineages, all of this. Why it starts out in Matthew one and also in Luke three, showing that that the mother and father the earthly father, who really wasn't his father, but still he had the title, uh, through their lineage would come from David. So every aspect of every promise and every prophecy pointed to Jesus coming as king. 
And the Israelites missed it, but he's trying to show them that it's really been in front of you the whole time. I, we, yeah, that's why, let me interject this. That's why we keep saying about fulfilled. Jesus, when, it, when he said everything that was written about me and the law of the prophets and uh, what else does he say there? Uh, must be fulfilled. You know, we, we just read that. Yeah, I think it was right here in the, in the text we were in uh, where he uses that same phrase. Well, I know, I know it says it in chapter 24. Right. In 45, where it says, He opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written, that Christ will suffer. Uh, No, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, right, right before that, 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. So this is 24, 44. Right. Everything must be fulfilled. That is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Yeah. Yep. So that's why a lot of people who will read something from the Old Testament, and they're like, well, I'm still waiting on that to happen. Well, if it was significant, if you're significantly waiting on that, make sure that Jesus didn't fulfill that already. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about, here's the other one, Jay, in 18, back was 1831, when he said, we are going up to Jerusalem, everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. Thank you. I mean, that's pretty clear, that everything he was about to accomplish was everything that had been predicted. So the only new... my point all the way through the study of this. Well, that's yeah. true, but just look at look at the book of Romans. You You don't usually think of... Uh, you know, people go to Romans, I wish Zach was here for this, but they'll go to Romans 9 through 11 and they'll say, what in the world is all this about? Because it's kind of talking about, it's a very difficult passage. You know, we, we, it's we the interchanging of the word Israel that makes it so hard for people to understand. Because it's basically, you think about, why y'all keep talking about Israel? Well, because God chose Israel right. to bring about this shadow of what Jesus would accomplish. That's right. Because even when the Sabbath, you know, we, we've been talking about the temple this morning, and which is why Jesus in Luke 19 goes to the temple and starts acting like he owns a place. Because he is the fulfillment of that. Even in John's version, when, the, when he started predicting about the temple being destroyed, which it was in AD 70. Here's another prophecy that Jesus himself gave. That's right. That came true. And then when they called him out on it, because that's a dangerous thing to say, just imagine you're going to go up there and say, hey, the, the White House is going to be utterly destroyed. Nothing's going to be left. You know what the next thing's going to happen to you is? Jail. You're, somebody's putting some handcuffs on you. <laughs> They're like, how do you know this? Right. Oh, you're a threat to society. That's right. We're, show me your plans. And then if the guy said, let's say I said that about the White House and said, oh, but you got to realize I'm the house. Well, then they're taking you to another. Instead of handcuffs, you got a straitjacket. Straitjacket. Yeah. Which is why Jesus has the reputation of either being a liar or a lunatic. Exactly. Because he's like, well, I'm the I'm the temple. The temple he was referring to, John said, was himself. You destroy it, and then three days later, it's coming back. You're like, well, how is that possible? Because then, when he was resurrected, he showed you. The ultimate king, because if you can beat death itself and destruction itself, you're the most powerful person ever. Ever. 
Yeah, really is. So then he has this this conversation with his disciples saying, I'm going to leave you a counselor. I'm, I'm going to, if you trust me and obey my, my commands, I'm going to, I'm going to, me and the father will come in and make our home with you. And so you'll, he'll, the speaking of the Holy Spirit, you remember John 16, he said, he will be in you. So all of a sudden we house the spirit of God, like Jesus did, you know, he was baptized and what happened? God declared, the Father declared him the Son of God, and the Holy Spirit came on him like a dove. Yep. So then when you go to Romans, my point was, if you if you go to Romans 9 through 11, you get all bogged down. Well, when you think about Romans 1 through 8, we never think of Romans like this. Think about really what it represents to how we got here. You know, Romans 1 through 3, it's all about sin. Yep. Well, where did that start? Well, that goes back to Genesis. Yep. Well, then you have Romans chapter four starts talking about Abraham and the promise that was made. Well, you you go back to Genesis. Did not God make a promise to Abraham that through his his seed line that all nations would be blessed? Would be blessed. Well, Jesus came out of that. Then you even get to something like Romans six, which I recently discovered because I'd never put all these pieces together. And he starts talking about baptism. But really, Romans 6 is about who's going to be your master. Well, what happened right after Genesis? Well, Exodus, there was mm-hmm. the people of Israel were under slavery. And what happened? God liberated them. And part of that liberation was them going through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's like they passed through the water to the promised land. And you say, well, how are you making that connection in Romans 6. Well, isn't that what happened with Paul in 1 Corinthians 10? He started off saying, remember when you were baptized into Moses in the cloud and you went through the Red Sea? I mean, he, he made that illustration. And so to me, then you get to Romans 8 and you're like, all of a sudden we're talking about a new creation, a new uh, hope for all of us, the redemption of our bodies, yep. the promised land, which is us living eternally in this new creation. So really, he used the same analogy about what happened from Israel subtly all the way through, but it's now fast forwarded to us that he chose the nation of Israel so that all nations could find Jesus. Oh, and you make a good point. That's exactly why Paul's languaging up until Romans 9 through 11 was the broader view of all of it. You mentioned Romans 1. Remember, he said... You've seen the qualities of God in creation itself. You don't get any broader than that. In other words, he says, when you think about morality, all you have to do is look around to see that some something made all this. And then he went into the specifics about sinful behavior. So you're right, Jace. It was a Romans is a wonderful thing because it's such a broad view. And so when you get into that text where he was talking about Israel, he broadened Israel out to include all of us. That was his point, that the idea was that's what we're called to. So That's, that's why, I mean, look, I'm picking on this idea where people, they came up a few years ago with the Roman road of salvation, and they just picked all the verses out where it, you know, it's talking about salvation. All in the name of the Lord. The problem with the Roman road and doing that is they, they, they just started the road yeah. way down the road. That's right. You know, it goes all the way back the to Genesis. The road starts at the beginning. Yeah, and what happened in the beginning, you had God with people 
You had heaven and earth, as far as what we understand about that, together. Yeah, That's where it started. Right. Well, guess what? Guess where this is going to end? Guess what Jesus brought? God and people back together. Yep. And this was because of his love. And so I think when you throw in verses like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, you know, that he gave his, his only begotten son. I mean, God loves us. And he came up with this plan. As elaborate as it is, but that's why I made the point of nobody's arguing about that 60 B.C. to 70 A.D. as far as in history and Jesus's role in it. All historians acknowledge that. Yep. They're like, oh, yeah, that happened. All the problems started much later when we started trying to package and market Jesus in a way that where we become the temple's in our little buildings scattered across the world, you know, kind of doing our own thing. So it comes back to Acts 2, when the when the kingdom bursts forth and people with the Holy Spirit, their model in the book of Acts, which Luke wrote, does not look like the modern church churches of today. It, it's almost like we went back to a temple Correct. Yeah. type of worship where you worship in a building, you keep it private, Never go public, even though Jesus is becoming public right here. He he went yeah. public on purpose. And you say, well, what happened when he did? He died. Well, guess what? If you go public for Jesus, there is a risk that you will die. Yep. But you're going to die anyway. That's right. But according to and God, according to God, so as we go through this, you're going to see that to God, all are alive. So they they may kill your body, but that's not going to be a problem. So uh, we're out of time, but um, in the overtime, I, went, I was just sitting there thinking while you were talking about that, Jay, another historical irony of something happens after even this and after eighty seventy, concerning the Romans I want to talk about. So if you want to come join us, uh, blazetv.com slash unashamed is where you find our overtime segments. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.